0: As you get your handouts, if you'll notice that the title of it is The Fallout of a Miracle, The Fallout of a Miracle. And what I want to talk to you about today here is that when miracles sometimes happen, there's all kinds of views and attitudes and how people look at it. Some is favorable, some is not so favorable, some is... uh, negative some positive and so forth i'm going to talk to you about it because that's recorded in the bible everything that i'm telling you is all brought out here uh i grew up in the in my early years i grew up in the city of pensacola florida but the D.L. welch was my pastor and uh before he ever came to pensacola he would evangelize all through the south and he told my wife and i one time when he was in our home and visiting us and he said when i would go to a new city to preach the revivals he'd put up a big tent go around with a big bullhorn announce he was having a revival in that town or city and uh he said i would pray and ask god to do a miracle i said god do a miracle and he wouldn't do it that somebody might be have a miracle done to their life but he'd do it that the word would begin to spread and people would come to the revival and they would get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's how he he started churches. He started churches all all through Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Northwest Florida, all over Florida even. And uh, this is the way he operated and the way he did things because he knew that a miracle would affect people and how they looked at it and what would happen. He also knew that there were people who would who would... Uh, who would argue against it they would say no we don't believe in the miracles there were church groups for instance uh, that said we uh, we believe the miracles ended when the last apostle died that was a church group church organization that believed that and so there is no holy ghost given there is no miracles that happen after the last apostle john had passed away there's no more miracles done so anything done today is a sham that's what they believe they taught they taught their people that and so uh, Brother uh, Welch would go head on for these kind of people and he'd say, you know, here's the person there that there they are, you know, and so forth. That's how my family came into church. I had an aunt that was sick. My grandmother would bring her to the meetings for a healing touch. And then, of course, of doing that, one by one, they begin to get saved and get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So I'm just telling you that because... <clears throat> There is an effect that it does have. Now, I'm going to read this verse of Scripture to you here. This is the one that I'm going to start out with, and then I'm going to go to the one that I'm going to really talk to you about. Look at Matthew ten thirty four. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And then he goes on to talk about how that, uh, that whenever he does a work, that it will bring division in families and homes it will just bring different feelings about how people, and he goes on to say down in verse 38, he that taketh not up his cross and followeth to me is not worthy of me. In verse 39, he that findeth his wife shall lose it, life, and shall lose it, and he that loses his life, that is the, the carnal life that he lived, for my sake shall find it. So he's talking about what he has to offer if somebody is willing to follow the Lord. And it's amazing how many people have a reason for not serving God whenever they see God moving, when they see God moving. So I want to talk to you a little bit about it. I want you to go with me then to the, the uh, book. of. We're going to, uh, let me put my pen down here where you can see it. We're going to hear to John 9 and 8, uh, the various effects. The miracle of the healing of the blind man. I go to this verse right here, John 9, John 9. And uh, look at this very closely with me here. Everybody with me now? John 9. Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. Now look at this. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did send this man to his parents and was born blind? Jesus went on and Neither one, it was for the glory of God that's going to happen. Verse, jump into verse 5. I'm doing this to save time. Verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Look at verse 6. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And this man was born blind. And he said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He was in the city of Jerusalem just outside the temple. He had been in the temple a little earlier and been... There with some of those religious leaders that would not accept him as the Messiah. Verse 7, he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, the blind man, he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Wow, what a miracle. What a miracle that is. Everybody should have been throwing their hats to the ceiling. Everybody should have been jumping up and down and said, Oh, praise God. God is moving among us. There should have been some reactions to that. And he, The neighbors, look at verse 8, the neighbors, therefore, and they which had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that said and begged? Isn't this the guy that was blind? Some said, This is he, this is him, yeah. Others said, No, he's like him. But he said I am him. Now notice here how the neighbors said some said oh it's him, the others said no, it can't be him. Maybe it's because when he was blind he looked different than when he had his eyes open he was see and walk around. But then they asked him and he said no I am him and he repented. So you had an answer here from the neighbor's reaction. You had the neighbor's reaction, you had the blind man's answer to it, and then the neighbors Reactions continued. Look at this. Look at it going to verse sixteen. Therefore said they unto him, How were your eyes open? What difference does it make? How God does it? Praise the Lord. How were your eyes opened? He answered and said a man said and Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes, I said go and wash and food's all I'm washing. and I went and washed and I received sight. He just told how it was. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I I, I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is now. (laughs) He put stuff in my eyes and then he told me what to do. And then I came back and and he wasn't there. I don't know where he is. He's somewhere around, you know? So anyhow, the neighbors here all were, their reactions were different. Some said, oh yeah, this is him. Others said, "It's not him. The others said, how did you receive it? We want the whole story. Where's the guy that did it? Give us the whole story. Hey, folks, a miracle is a miracle. Praise the Lord. It's a wonderful thing what God can do and what God does do. Amen. So there was a reaction here from the the neighbors. But they had to take it a little bit further. Look at this. Look at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees. Now look at this. The Pharisees' reaction to it. This is 9.13. I'm reading Uh, 9.13-17. they brought to the Pharisees him to the Pharisees him that was afore, blind. They brought to the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were religious people who were very strict, very strict, not so much on the word of God as they were on the tradition of the elders. In other words, what had been established by the religious leaders over the centuries ahead of them is what they held so fast too. If you went back to the law of Moses, they, were, they deviated from that a little bit, but they'd stick with those tradition of the elders. So they went to the Pharisees that were four, uh, about him that was the four blind. Look at verse 14. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Oh, that's going to present a problem now because they were so strict on the Sabbath day, you couldn't even heal anybody on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was so strict about not doing anything, until even what you did that was good. They said, no, 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 no. You can't do it on the Sabbath day. You got to do it on a work day. So here Jesus is, he opened the blind man, the blind man's eyes were opened. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay open his eyes, verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. Notice this, the neighbors asked him how he'd received his sight. Now, The Pharisees, again, the second time he's asked, how did you receive your sight? He said to them, he put clay upon mine eyes and, and I washed and I do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. They weren't interested in the miracle. This, I'm telling you the fallout of a miracle here. Man, they should have been so happy jumping up and down. and Said, "We want to meet this fellow. We want to know who he is. God is among us. God is blessing us. God is, God is has used him to open your eyes. Where, where, who is this guy? Where is he? Well, they pretty well knew it. They already knew he was in around Jerusalem. They knew that, and so they they uh, they begin to say, "Oh." No, he couldn't do that on the, because he did it on the Sabbath day. The others said, how can a man that's a sinner do such miracles? And there was division among them. So I'm trying to show you here, there's all kind of fallout. Now, when God moves and works in the church, or God moves and works in a city, or God moves and works in your little environment in the city out there, your family and friends, whatever it is, there's always different fallouts on what they think it is there's those who say this is of god some will say oh i don't know if it's of god or if it's a man others will say well i can't say until i ask my religious leader whoever he is whoever he may whatever religion i'm in i can't make any decision until somebody tells me i can make a decision you see what i'm saying all kinds of fallouts And the Lord wants us simply to believe the truth, believe the word, trust in God for it. And God will never fail us in what he's able to do. But I'm just telling you here that God is great with all of his miracles and things that he can do. And there's nothing that he cannot do. So the verse 16 ends with there was a division among them. look at verse 17. They say unto the blind man again, go get that guy, bring him over here. We want to ask him a question. Now, to understand there's no respect for him for what has happened to him. God has favored this man. But to, to them, he's a nobody. They said to the blind man again, this is the third time. The, the Pharisees said to him, The Pharise, I mean, the, uh, the, the neighbors, now the Pharisees, now the Pharisees are saying it again. They said to him again, What sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, he is a prophet. That's what the blind man said unto them. And uh, look at verse 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. Look at that. Well, we just don't believe. We don't believe in the miracle. So therefore, we don't believe you were ever blind. We don't even believe you're blind. Look at that. The guy was laying, sitting by the wayside begging all of his life because he was born blind. How old was he, Brother Meyer? Was he a kid? No, no, he was a grown, full grown man. For later on, they ask his parents, and the parents said, He's of age, go ask him. They ask him again. I'm just pointing out how that people have a hard time dealing with miracles because God, praise the Lord, can do it. Folks, there's nothing God cannot do, but God has reasons sometimes for it, and how does it affect us? And if we have all kinds of questions and doubts and things, can we lay all those aside and say, I believe God. I believe the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, Many years ago, when I was pastoring up in the Panhandle, of Florida, we've been here now, as you know, 52 years. But we were up in the Panhandle of Florida back then, and uh, uh, we didn't have cell phones back then. We had telephones, but they were in houses, you had to, you know. And so, uh, I was out and about all around town and everything. And my wife said to me, if Mrs. Register is calling for you. She wants you to go by and pray for her. And I said, okay, okay, I will. So, and everything. So, you yeah, know, I'd go around and go around and find, I'd get to a place where there's a phone and a business place and call the house. Anything I need to know about? Yeah, Mrs. Register keeps calling you. She wants you to go by and pray for her. Oh, Mrs. Register, yes. And my wife said to her, she has cancer of the brain, brain cancer. And she went to Shane's Hospital. And this is a true story. I'm telling you the truth. She went to the Shane's Hospital in Gainesville, Florida. And they said to her, we have to operate on you. And you have to remove that brain tumor that's in your brain tumor. She was, had become paralyzed. Her whole left side was paralyzed, her arm, her side of her legs, and everything. And they said, In order for us to operate on you, we have to shave your head. Well, this woman was a backslider. And they said, We have to shave all your hair off. And she got to crying and praying and said, Lord, you know, I don't want all my hair shaved off. And as I know, a woman's not supposed to cut her hair, she's supposed to let it grow. And I just just don't want to do do that. And so she said to the doctors, I want to go home and have my pastor pray for me. That's what she told them. And they said, look, you only have a limited time. We'll give you uh, three weeks or whatever it was. Go home, have him pray for you. And just remember after that, come on back and let's get the job done. She said, all right. So she came home and she kept calling my wife, tell Pastor Myers to come by and see me. So she, my wife said to me, this is what she wants. She's had this brain and they can shave her head and everything. And she wants you to go by and pray for her. And I said, okay, okay, I will, I will. So I was busy running around. Finally, I went to her house and I went to the front door and she's sitting in a wheelchair, whole left side paralyzed, can't stand up, can't, can't move. And she's sitting there in that wheelchair. And she told me the story again, wanted me to pray for her, I said, okay. So I lay hands on her and I pray for her. And she's crying and crying and she's got the one hand up and she's crying and praying for her. And while, when I stop praying for her and I look at her and she's crying, it comes all over me, the spirit of the Lord. And I look at her and I said, Mrs. Register. I didn't call her sister registered because she's not in the church. Wasn't saved. I said, Mrs. Register, if God healed you, will you serve him? And she said, oh, yes, brother the virus, I will, I will. And she started crying and tears running down her face, lifting her hand. And I felt that spirit come all over me. Folks, I closed my eyes, laid my hands on that woman and began to pray for her that God would remove that tumor from her mind. And while I'm praying for her with my eyes closed, my hand goes up because she's standing up. Suddenly she's on her feet and my hand is still on her head. And I open my eyes and she's got both hands in the air. And she's worshiping the Lord and crying and praising and walking around in that room in the wheelchair sitting there. This is the truth. This is the truth. I'm not lying to you. I'm just telling you, God performs miracles. He does. This woman was instantly healed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That that and then I I left to worshiping God. I said, Well, I got things to do to myself. I went ahead and went and got God and left and said, Praise God, and left it with her and Jesus. And she went on and she fixed supper for her husband when he came in. He liked to fell out when he saw her cooking supper for him and putting it all on the table. And then she. Got in her car and drove to church that night on the Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday. Drove to church that night. And I'm just telling you that God does a miracle. But he had spoke to my heart that he was going to do something. That's why I knew it, because I could feel it in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to fast forward to some maybe 20 years ago, 25 years. It was, it was uh, 30 years ago. And in this church here, but down on the end of Palm Bay Road. A sister came to me one Sunday morning and said, "Brother Myers, there is a couple of ladies that are here, and they are lesbians. And is it all right if they come to church?" I said, "Of course, yes." And after service was over, with one of them came to me and said, "Brother Myers, would you come to our house and visit us?" I said, "Yes," and I set an appointment on them one, two Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever night, Thursday night. And so I went to her house. They had a little small folks, a small home. That was about half the size of this platform here, a little small house they lived in. And one of them was like the woman and the other was like the man. And it was the woman part, the woman lesbian that said to me, would you come to our house? And I said, yes, I went there. And they said to me when when I got in and sat down and they were both sitting there in 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 the living room, They said to me, we want to know, can we be saved? And I said, yes, God can save anybody, but you cannot remain in the lifestyle that you're in. You've got to give up this lifestyle. And if you're willing to give up your lifestyle, God can save you and you can be saved. Praise the Lord and have the hope of heaven and live a good, clean, walking life. And the woman that was like the woman says, I can do that. And the other one says, no, no, I I won't do it. And I said, well, listen, I said, God can. And the other one looked at the other one and they looked at each other. I found out the one that's more like the man. She had a check coming in and they both lived off of her check. So the other one didn't have any income of any type. And I guess she felt like she had to stay loyal to this one. Anyhow, they said, well, we were born this way. There's nothing we can do about it. We were born this way. I said, no, you weren't. You were introduced to it and you know when you were introduced to it. And that one said, you're right. I know when it was, I know when it was. But the other one that was like the man, she looked at me and said, hard look, she says, no, I've always been, I was born this way. And I looked at her and I said, no, you were introduced to it. It might've been when you were a child, but you know when it was. And when I said, when you were a child, she blinked her eyes. And she looked down, and I knew, she knew right then when it was, and she knew that I knew that she had not been born that way, but she had been introduced to it somewhere back there. So finally, you know, I said, Any time you want to come to church and decide you want to make a change and give it up, I said, I'll be your best friend, and we'll pray in every evening. To God. And so the other one got quiet because she knew that the one that was acting like the man, she said, no, no way. So I left them. Six months later, they came back to church. One of the ladies in the church that had originally invited them said to me, says, that one, of the, one of the women has cancer. They've only given her six months to live. And I said, "Tell her to come to the altar when we pray." We used to have people come down the front. We'd go down and anoint them with oil and pray for them around the front. And we had a little time of prayer, and everybody prayed in the audience and so forth. And so they told her, I "said Come, she can go down to the altar when he calls for prayer." So when I did, she was one of them. There's only two or three people that night. And I remember that when I got out of the chair to walk toward the steps to go down. To the altar below, the Lord spoke to my heart and told me exactly what to say. Exactly what to say. And when I went down there, that's what I said. And I said to her this I said, this Is it so and so? Do you want to be healed or do you want to be prayed for? Huh, and that's a funny question, isn't it? Do you want to be healed or do you want to be prayed for? If she says, I want to be healed, I would have said, you know what you've got to do. Are you willing to give up this lifestyle to do it? That's what you've got to You know you do. So I said, do you want to be healed or do you want to be prayed for? And she looked at me and her eyes got big as saucers and she knew exactly what I meant. She looked at me for the longest time. I looked at her. She looked at me, and it seemed to me like it was like forever. I mean, the audience is all out there praying, waiting for me to lay hands on and pray for her. I was looking at this woman, and she's looking at me, waiting for the answer. And I knew that the answer she gave would determine whether she'd be healed or not. That's the truth, folks. I knew it just as sure as I knew Mrs. Register when I'd prayed for her, and I knew she'd be healed when I said, Will you live for him? Folks, I'm telling you, there's a commitment that goes with serving God. There's a commitment. And I said to her, will you, will you, uh, do you want to be healed or do you want to be prayed for? And she looked at me and then her eyes dropped and she says, prayed for And I laid hands on her and I prayed for her. And I prayed that God would heal her body, knowing he would not. She knew he would not. Six months later, she died. Six months later, I got word that she did die. Died of cancer but not willing to give up that lifestyle because she felt like that she just couldn't resist or couldn't she couldn't go against that other one or whatever it was that helped her kept her bound now i'm telling you that folks because there's fallout there's all kinds of fallout to the miracles of god how will we handle those things Well, we say, I believe God, I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna walk with God. I'm gonna go to church. I wanna be faithful to God. I wanna lay aside the world and sin and carnality and garbage out there of all types. And it could be anything, it could be drugs. It could be be, uh, heroin. We've got people in this church that were alcoholics. They came to this church and got saved and God delivered them of alcohol and they haven't touched it for 30 years, 40 years, however long it's been. They're some of the best saints in this church. If you look there, you said there's not a better saint of God in this church. than this person. Yeah, one time they were an alcoholic or somebody else that was drug. I know, I know who you are, you know, that's okay. That's fine. That's all, all of us came from some kind of crazy background. That's right. That's right. There's somebody else came out of drugs. Somebody else came out of alcoholism. Somebody else came out of some other Way out there, sin, gambling. Gambling can get a hold of people. You know, all kinds of stuff. Guys get into pornography. All this kind of mess. Garbage, pure garbage. And whenever you come to God, you've got to say, Lord, I'm throwing it all down, laying it all aside. I'm going to live for you, serve you, walk with you. Praise the Lord. If you're a man, love your wife. If you're a woman, love your husband. Stay together. Praise the Lord. Fight the devil. Fight all the sin and garbage and everything else out there, but walk with God and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be the Lord. Praise the Lord with all your heart, all your heart, praise the Lord. And I want to just say this in in addition to all of that, praise the Lord, whatever you do, just make it a point to be in church all you can, all you can. I know there's times when you can't and there's times when any one of us can't make it, but when you can be in, there's something about the house of God Where the spirit of God moves and the blessings of God moves. And God pours out his spirit. That God's presence, praise the Lord, makes all the difference in the world. But I'm telling you, praise the Lord, that where there's miracles, there are fallouts. And we can decide on which way we're going to be and what we're going to do and how we're going to believe and whether we reject or not. So here's a, a man that was healed that had been blind from his birth. And yet there were Pharisees that said, oh no, 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 we're not going to believe. No, 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 no. We, we don't, we're not going to accept it. Well, come on, give me a break. It happened. It happened. Praise the Lord. And they're saying, oh no, we're not going to accept it. We're not going to believe it and so forth. So they fell the traditions of the elder. Now I'm going to read a little further. Look at verse 18 of that same John chapter 9. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents. Oh, now they're going to ask the parents. Now listen to this. Parents come into the picture. I think that's what we have there, the parents' rejection. Now look what the, what's happens here in verse 18. They call the parents of him that had been pointed blind. They've got to, got to find something to say, no, this is not him. And they ask them, saying, is this, is this your son? Who you say was born blind, how then doth he now see? Now they're asking the parents. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. Now, that means this was a grown man. It wasn't a little child sitting there. He is of age and he speaks for himself. Go ask him for yourself. Now, look at verse 22. This is enlightening. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. What? They feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So now they're saying we don't want to be put out of the synagogue, and we don't want to be anything, and even connected with that. So we don't. We're not going to answer you. We know this, is our son. We know he was blind. We don't know how it happened, everything. But you, you just go talk to him. He's of age. You see how they were passing the ball. I'm just trying to say here: there's times when people just have to stand up for God, stand up for truth, stand up for holiness, stand up for righteousness. Stand up, praise the Lord, for the miracles of God that happen. I believe we're going to have some miracles in this church. I believe it's going to happen. I believe we do have them from time to time, here and there and so forth. But there's miracles and then there's healings. Healings sometimes are not, you know, real visible. and You don't always know that it happens. Somebody just gets better and they get over something and they get through it everything. But a miracle is just something that seems like it's impossible for it to happen. And I'm just saying that God does those things, praise the Lord. So I'm just pointing out to you here that with these parents, they still were trying to hold on to their place and position in the synagogue so they could always be looked at and said, oh, they are abiding, law-abiding Jews that uh, walk with God and so forth. And so they would not commit themselves. So anyhow, they said, go ask him even. Now. Verse 21, by what means, look at verse 22. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man confessed that he would be put out sin. Look at verse 23. Therefore said his Pharisees of age ask him. Then again, this is the fourth time, again they go calling. This is the Pharisees. Call, they, they call the man that was blind and said. Now look at this very closely with me here. Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. We know that we're talking about Jesus. Uh, no, they, they give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said to them, whether he is a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, they said, they said, we know this is Jesus. You're talking about it's a sinner. And because he did it on the Sabbath day, said, I don't know whether he is a sinner or not. All I know is I was blind. Now I see. Then said they unto him again, Look at that, and this is the fifth time. What did he do? What did he to thee? How, he, how opened he his eyes? He answered them and said he said unto me, whereas would he said, "I told you already. Look at verse 27, I'm getting, trying to go very fast here. He answered them, "I have told you already, and you did not hear, whereas would you hear it again, will you also be his disciple? Then they reviled him and said, "Thou art his disciple." But we are Moses' disciples. As we as uh, we know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not whence he is. In verse 30, the man answered and said unto him, Why, hearing is a marvelous thing. He was right, that you should know not who he is. Yet he hath opened mine eyes. You don't even know who he is. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man is a, is a worshiper of God, how doth he will, he, him? He, God heareth. Look at verse 32, since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened his eyes of one that was born blind? This is the blind man's telling them that. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, thou wast altogether born in sins and dost thou teach us, they cast him out. And so I'm just trying to show you here all the various attitudes and everything. And then finally jesus comes to him and says come and follow me and the man says yes lord and he follows the lord but i'm just telling you here all the neighbors the parents attitude the pharisees attitude about it everything and the blind man when jesus finally came to him because he was blind when the lord put all that, that stuff in his eyes he was blind he didn't see jesus and jesus went away and then he came back and was see, but jesus wasn't there And Jesus came to him and said, I'm the one that healed you, follow me. And he said, yes, Lord, I'm following you. And I'm just trying to tell you here today, praise the Lord, folks, that God wants us to follow him with all of our hearts. Now, I want to point out one other illustration to you here. I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 5 for a moment. Mark 5. I want to talk about the Gadarene demoniac here. Gadarene demoniac, Mark 5, 1 this is jesus and the disciples got in a boat and went over across the sea of galilee they went from the west side over to the east side they came over on the other side of the sea into the country of the gadarenes verse 2 and when he was come out of the ship immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who uh, had his dwellings among the tombs and no man could bind him no not with chains goes on to say how he broke chains and they couldn't die they just let him go and so verse five and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones verse six but when he saw jesus afar off he ran and worshiped the lord and he said ask him what is thy name jesus asked the man what is his name and this dead these devils are talking to him and he answered verse nine here, and he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. This is the devils inside the man, and he besought him that he would not bind him, send him out into the country. Now look at verse eleven to me with very closely here. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding swine. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. For Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place in the sea. And they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea, or they drowned. Now look at verse 14. And they that fed the swine. What fed them? You fed the swine? They were swine keepers. They were, they were not shepherds of sheep. They were not keepers of the cattle. They were not keepers of the goats or animals that were clean animals that the Jewish people, you know, use milk and meat and, 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 and so forth, but they were swine. And they were way over in the backside of the desert on the other side. And so, and they that were, dead, the swine, told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what was all done. And verse 15, and they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and, that, uh, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they lifted their hands and praised God. Is what it says? Now oh, they were afraid. You know why they were afraid? Because they knew they were doing what they shouldn't be doing. They were selling swine on the black, back, on the black market. Because pigs was not allowed in the Old Testament for them to eat. I'm reading Deuteronomy 14, 3. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. And then it lists a bunch of things. Verse 8, and the swine, the swine is one of the abominable things. Then the swine, because it divided the hoof, yet cheweth not the cud. It is unclean unto you. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcasses. Now, this was commanded to the Jews of the Old Testament. They couldn't eat pork. I know today, and I can give you scriptures, I can give you at least four scriptures that it's all right to eat anything that's meat today. Shrimp, lobsters, help yourself, pork, whatever you like. It's okay in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament it was not. Well, Jesus Christ was still under the law when he came in his earthly ministry. And these Jews over here in Gadaria were keeping swine, 2,000 of them, on the black market and selling it. To the Jews who was eating pork when they were not supposed to be eating pork. Now you understand, to them, they knew that they were not supposed to be eating what they were doing it in the house. It was their secret sin. Are you with me? Yeah. So these people, amen, uh, they, they had a secret sin. The whole city did. So whenever this was told, Jesus, and they came out and they saw this man sitting in his right man. Instead of them being so happy about it, they were afraid. They're afraid because their sins had been had a light shined on it. Verse sixteen, and they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. These swinekeepers said to the city people, "This is what happened." They blah blah blah, and all the swine people, "Oh my God! All of our you mean our little uh, our little party that we had going our little uh, trade, our little secret." Sin business-wise, we got black market, I guess we can call it. It's all gone. And they began to pray him, that is, ask him. They began to ask Jesus to depart out of their coach. Get out of our coach. We don't want you over here. And, folks, their city was full of people that needed a touch from Jesus. Think about it. And these people, because they'd rather have their secret sins, ask Jesus to get out and go away. We don't want you over here. Now, I wonder how many places that's like that. We don't want you touching our secret sins. But folks, if we'll say, God, you do whatever you want to do in my life. You do whatever you want to, however you want to, wherever I am, Lord. But I want you to be in my midst. I want your love. I want your grace. I want your mercy. I want your kindness upon me, Lord, and there's not going to be anything like, no, 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 go away, go away, we don't want you here. But folks, that's what the world's all about. That's what the world is all about. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are of the world, not of the Father. I'm quoting there from, uh, from one of the scriptures. I'm just pointing out to you here that the Lord wants us to lay all of that mess down, lay the world down, live for God, walk with God and say, Jesus, I want everything that you've got for me. Praise the Lord. And I, I thought about it. And so then the Lord uh, told this man, look at verse 19, howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but that he said, the man said, I want to follow you, Jesus. Jesus says, no, go home to thy friends. This is what Jesus told the man who had been filled with the devil. And this man cut himself, full of the devil. They couldn't keep chains on him. He screamed, cried, carried on to the mountain. Now he's just as normal as anybody else. And Jesus said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things that the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish. That means talk about it. Tell it wherever he went. Published it in Decapolis, excuse me, <clears> at <throat> how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. So the word got out there. But Jesus never went to a city, I'm sure, that had needs of him. But I want you to know this today, praise the Lord, that our Jesus is still willing to work anywhere that we say, Jesus, come, be in our midst, be among us, Lord. We want you, Lord, above everything else. We want you with all of our heart. I wonder if we could stand together and just thank the Lord. And God bless all of you who live for God, walk with God, folks. And if you're like this anywhere in your life, I want you to say, God, I'm ready to live for you with all of my heart. Walk with you in truth and spirit. Let's all worship God together. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We glorify your wonderful name. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for these wonderful people of God. Help us, Lord, to love you above everything else, Lord, and to give our heart, our soul, our mind and strength unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.